With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Folks, if you'd like a copy of Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, go to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy of Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. And for $25 plus shipping, I'll send you out a personalized copy plus a picture. terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Folks, it's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball game and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to episode 54, Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. It's good to be here again this week, especially uh, if you're a hockey fan, and I don't mean a specific fan, but a hockey fan in general, which a lot of you are. It is, after all, a hockey podcast. It's nice to be in full swing of the NHL playoffs. You get your ups and downs, your surprises. 
I thought, obviously, like all of you, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I thought the Oilers would do a little better than four straight. And um, I, I'm fascinated. I find it unique starting there. Uh, to to hockey here where, I mean, again, I listen to a lot of sports podcasts. And on one hand, I'm, I'm, I was listening to Overdrive, uh, Hockey Central, or, you know, last few weeks. And towards the end of the season, I listen to more than that. I'm, I, you know, those are both ends of the coin. I listen to lots of podcasts, Fourth Line Voice. I know you're out there, Darren. A lot of the boys on the Hockey Podcast Network, just that I know a lot of you uh, go TSN or Sportsnet. I try to listen to all of it. But, you know, the topic came up towards the end of the NHL season about the dominance of Connor McDavid. And if, like Wayne Gretzky, you know, he was the most dominant at his sport. And it was different with Gretzky, the obvious, because he was winning. But he wasn't only winning cups. He was winning, you know, the odd playoff round, the odd playoff game. He got into the playoffs even. Right? But, I mean, the Oilers, if you want to count last year, they got knocked out in the plans. That's not really the playoffs. I guess they were probably going to make it, though. But, you know, and I think, what, two other years, this being one of them? Out of the six? Um, and and I'm, I'm not blaming Connor McDavid or Dreisaitl or, or Nurse or... I mean, Yamamoto, get, get down the list. They've, they've got that Finn. Oh, God, Puliarvi came into his own. I mean, there was lots of positives. And I know that a couple, but what was it, three one goal or three overtime? But it, either way, it means that it's three nothing in overtime. I just find it fascinating. So I can't, to pick up on what a lot of those were saying, I, I can't, those, those shows, put McDavid in the, most dominant at his sport, no matter what the regular season stats are, because there's, there's never been anything in the playoffs. There's not even a spark. Name me another sport. Well, you know what? Baseball. A lot of people would say Mike Trout is the best player, probably including myself. It's, you know, I guess two of those sports though, it's, you know, harder to stand out in football. You're only going to stand out if you're playing one of a select few positions. And in recent years, it'd be the quarterback in basketball, five players and the best are on it on, on the court for most of the game, the vast majority of the game, you know, hockey, a lot of ice time for a forward is 20 to 30 minutes. <clears throat> mid mid twenties, usually for the best players. So, yeah, maybe that's it. I'm just fascinated when you see these, you know, when I think like pure dominance in ways that I've never even seen. Well, let me rephrase that. When I think pure dominance in my lifetime, yes, I've, I've seen it. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods held all four majors at one time. He didn't all, not all in one year, but he held them all at one time. And I don't know how many side tournaments he was winning at the time you just turn on the tv it seemed like he was going to win that's like golf is really hard to dominate like that i mean you're hitting a ball <clears throat> but you know jordan um gretzky for sure lemieux but these guys were winning and and, and even um 
you know, there was there, there was other great play like Lemieux say before he won what was it 91 Pittsburgh's first first cup I'm dating myself but I know it was around then but like in 87 he scored the winner for Canada right and, and he was and so he was winning the scoring and, and they were it made, starting to make a blip and, and the team he went to was dead last probably like Edmonton I don't know if they were quite Buffalo but yeah I guess so you know the same sort of position but I'm not blaming him either, but there's some, and Ken Holland. I know this this summer coming has some room to work with, and, and there's some contracts that are going to be shuffled. But I, I believe, judging by the shows I listen to, he's he's going to have a pretty good summer to work around the cap, and and you know his main players are signed, things like that. So who knows? But I mean, I don't know. You're six years in now, and the prime years are starting to fade. Actually, no, they're not. They're not fading, but they're 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 starting to get high in numbers. You know, next year we're push, pushing a decade. Um, how long do you go before someone says, "Look, we're going to trade you for a bunch of prospects, and at least try to make the playoffs, the second round, maybe?" Uh, you know, and whoever they trade them to, I mean, it could be a win-win. It was a win-win for Edmonton when they traded Gretzky, wasn't it? The whole state of California and every Sunbelt city in the United States really benefited hockey-wise from that. But L.A. didn't win a cup. They made it to the final, and he continued to dominate. His best years started to be behind him, but he still was incredible. Um, you know, he wasn't getting 200 points a year anymore. He was getting 190. But... And that's a level of success, though. The you know the the Kings needed a, a spark. I I really believe that. The, when did the Kings win in two thousand and ten or two thousand and eleven? I believe that that was, it was within twenty years. It was twenty years. I believe it derived. You know that was indirectly Wayne Gretzky. Sure, I do. The team probably would have been gone if he didn't go there. And then you know the whole division in Anaheim and San Jose, and if you want to count Tampa and Florida. Um. I can't remember the exact years, but all those teams came in uh, Phoenix after all that. People were saying, you know, can hockey really catch on in the desert? And in L.A., it was a bit of a, you know, it's a big enough city and it's a novelty to go to a game at the time. Now you've got players coming out of Phoenix, uh, Austin Matthews, first overall. You get all kinds coming out of L.A., all kinds now. Um, you know, you get players coming from Florida him from all over and then you know i don't know that that would have been the case before wayne gretzky unless just some fluke but usually it required a move to it you might see oh wow i played with a guy bud howell um briefly but bud was a bit of a nut and uh <clears throat> western league i played with him in cornell he was pegged for the western league he played a few games but bud couldn't get out of his own way but bud was you know from california but he had moved to Alaska. There, there's a, there used to be a catch. But now, and, and it's not unusual to come from not only the United States, but uh, the Sun Belt states. That's all Wayne Gretzky. But the Oilers, of course, won the Stanley Cup the year after they traded him. So although Oilers fans and even hockey fans, even me, I, I look back and I, I hate that deal. I, Peter Pocklington, who made it, is like a villain to me. But if, if it's hard to look at objectively as a hockey fan that, you know, I had lots of friends in Edmonton too. Um, and I looked at, you know, when he went to the States, like he was a bit of a sellout, but it wasn't his decision. And it's certainly 
I was pissed at Pocklington, but I think it was just at the time I was a kid, but a lot of people, you know, they wanted, they were so angry and they were angry at everything. But in the end, I think it was a good trade. Dare I say that? I, I think it worked for everybody. The Oilers definitely solidified their, their winning ways and their status in the hockey world by winning once again. Guys like Mark Messier stepped up. Glenn Anderson, I mean, all those guys down the list, Kevin Lowe, they proved their Hall of Famers. <clears throat> and Wayne Gretzky just remained an icon and uh, still is. And anyway, wow, do I ever go down a rabbit hole. Um, and uh, Leafs Habs, all I can say is, um, you know, the John Tavares thing. Hope he gets better. I went through that. There's a, there's a clip online. I've, I've mentioned on here before. It says, Terry Ryan gets hit. Damon Lankow, Byron Brisky respond. It was in uh, Seattle. I got to, I'm, I'm out. I get a hit up high to the side of the head and I'm out before my head hits the ice. Then my head hits the ice. Gone for like four hours, man. I don't remember any of it. I handle it the wrong way, and I'll, I'll explain all that another time. I don't want to get into it. But um, anyway, yeah, it just it brought back. I, I was stomach sick watching it. Uh, but the series, Habs down now, as I say this, 3-1, to one, but uh, they played pretty hard. They did what they had to do. I mean, I, th I think the whole hockey world thought it would be um, – it wouldn't be easy, and they knew what Montreal had to do, get in their face a bit. Not that that was, that was an accident, I believe, by Corey Perry. I'm saying outside of that, you've seen some pretty energetic hockey, and you've seen Montreal sloughing it, uh, scruffing it up after the whistle and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I expected that. And they could have – it could be two games of two easily. I picked the Leafs in four. I was wrong, but I, I do believe it'll be five. Um, if not, if the Habs get out of this – It'll be great to watch Price against uh, Hellebuck, man, because the, the Winnipeg Jets, I wasn't astounded, by the way. I'm just kind of starting to wonder about McDavid and, and where the future lies, and I wish him the best. It's hard as a Canadian, but similar to, you know, watching Gretzky. I, I love that McDavid's Canadian, and he plays for a Canadian team, and he's the best in the world, uh, but I'm uh, just frustrated more than anything. But, you know, what I took away from that was Winnipeg. And I, not so much that they didn't, because, I mean, they didn't score as much uh, in the playoffs, but they had lots of chances. Winnipeg bottled bottled them up and made those chances to the outside, didn't give – I mean, McDavid must have had five breakaways in the last three games, right, of the regular season. Winnipeg, you know, it's like they just played some Team D. They said, you know, we're not going to keep them totally from, from getting shots. Let's try to make them from the perimeter. Let's get in their faces a little bit. But they just played hard, man. They played hard. I don't think they played overly dirty. Uh, I just think they have an unbelievable goalie, one of the best in the world, if not the best. You can make an argument, uh, Hellebuck. And um, they've got a strong playoff team, which is why I picked them. Whatever happens with the Leafs and the Habs, uh, you know, I picked the Leafs largely because I'm, uh, I mean, in the next series too, whatever happens, I picked the Leafs over Winnipeg. But uh, I think that'll be a, an uphill battle. But I'm cheering for the Leafs in that situation because of my buddy from Mount Pearl, Dave Rope Dog Roper, who's the equipment manager, one of them, 
for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it'd be great for the city. Um, as it would be for Winnipeg, I suppose. But like I said, this year I'm, I'm rooting for my buddy Dave Rope Dog Roper. And, and on the other side, Alex Newhook, who scored a nice goal. How about that? I said he got some. He got, he got into a playoff game. He might get his name on the cup. He might be an impact. Kadri's out now for eight games. I know Alex got a, I think a lower body body injury. I don't think it's too serious. Uh, I'm not sure now. I just read about it, but uh, had a real nice goal. Congrats to Alex Newhook from St. John's, Newfoundland. We're all pumped to watch that, and we all we're all paying attention. I think Colorado are a deadly team and and could uh, could easily win it. I got Boston, but um, I got Boston if they meet. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think that could easily happen. So, quick, quick story in ninety seven, ninety eight, was it or ninety eight, ninety nine? I was playing in uh, Fredericton, and after my second season in in Fredericton, okay, so it was my my third year pro, really, because when I was nineteen, like I said, I made the Habs, but. They wanted me to practice with the team more than anything rather than go back to junior. And I got sent back at the deadline. So I was there from, you know, when I was in 96, 97, for three or four months. No, I guess I went there in July right up until February. Yeah. So I guess I was there for like half a year. So I can, in my mind, it's a year pro. I played three NHL games um, and I practiced with the team. I went everywhere with them. I had a concussion. I had to sit out a month or two, but you know, we're talking about six, seven months. So, I'm not really sure if that's a year pro or not, but in my mind it was. So I went back to the AHL the next year, 97, 98. And, and um, like I said, I had my run-ins with Michelle Terrian, but I, I thought it went, at least personally, it went pretty well. And the other prospects around me, Matt Higgins, Brad Brown, Aaron Ash Asham came up at the end of the year and went and, and, and up playing in uh, 97 or 98, 99 with us. I thought, we all did pretty well. And and the next year, again, being 98, 99, I got up a little bit. I was injured. I had some freak stuff happen. Like um, I, I broke a rib and then I, in a freak way though, I was in practice. And then I, um, my wisdom teeth were coming in. I had kidney stones. I was, I had kidney stones. I, I, I just tumbled over and no one could figure out what was going on. I had to go like get them lasered out of my stomach. A really weird year. But I believe in 55 games, maybe 52 games or something, I had 40, 45 points, I think, something like that. So, you know, in my mind, that was all right. I, you know, same thing the year, the year before. I'd had, uh, I'd had a decent year as well. I was rookie of the year for the, for the team. So in my mind, it was kind of – and I got called up. I remember I had sent back down, but in, in – right before the end of the year. So I was kind of counting the minutes. It's a weird spot to be in, but it, uh, I was like, okay, I got out of my second year pro. I'm still fairly healthy. And by that time, I really, really was waiting to ask Montreal for a trade on. I didn't like Michelle Terrian. I was waiting to see, like, is he going to go up with this team? Because I just don't want him breathing down my neck my whole career. I really didn't like him. And I was just, you know, it, it was work. So the end of hockey didn't always feel like work. I know what you're saying. Don't, you know, boo-hoo, it felt like work. It should be. But, you know, I just, I, I'm a passionate player. I, I just didn't like, I loved everything about Fredericton and my player, my, my buddies and Montreal, you know, getting up and down. It was like a dream coming true. But yeah, I just didn't like the guy. But so I was like waiting for the year to end. 
Well, we had some good buddies, uh, you know, some good teammates and that I still talk to all the time on my side and on the other side. So what happened is, well, I, I digress so much, but we, we were going to play the St. John's Maple Leafs. Okay. And they had a lot of my buddies from the Western League, uh, they had Todd Gillingham from Newfoundland, players I looked up to, like Greg Bird, Doug Smith, who now I'd played against for a couple of years and was ruthless. But, you know, I, I knew of him before I turned pro. Lonnie Bahanas played in the Western League, and then Jason Perolin, Mark Dayel. And uh, in w- w- the series, and anyway, it, it was all the Canadian teams were knocked out. So it was the Habs versus the Leafs and the Miners. And, you know, it was really, I've often said I love that we wore the Montreal jerseys and they wore the Leafs in the Miners. You know, not so much like we weren't the Quebec Citadels as they turned into. It was the Fredericton Canadians. You know, we had the Habs jerseys. It really, whenever you played those games, it felt like, a version of the actual rivalry, which I guess it was, but it had a real hockey feel to it. And the Memorial Stadium in St. John's was still going, so it was packed. Fredericton, we didn't normally sell out, but we certainly did against the Leafs in the playoffs. And anyway, it had that vibe to it. But in game three, and this would have been the quarterfinals, I guess. But uh, Mark Dayell, who's a great player, and we've actually got him on the show here today. And uh, Mark got stuck in the eye by a defenseman that was Milo Sabgurin, that was my roommate, a great guy. Um, but Milo didn't mean to do it. He was as soft as they come. He would have been played 10 years straight if he played in, in today's game, I believe. He was just slightly, you know, Milo just didn't, we, we were in a tough division at a tough time. And I'm not saying he couldn't handle it. He had 55, 56 points, Milo as a defenseman, but he just didn't have that ruthless bone in his body that was not only looked past at the time. I think it was coveted. Um, so anyway, Milo felt bad and, and, and it was, there was a whole string of events. So outside of the actual rivalry, you know, Mark ended up losing his eye and, and didn't play much more after that. And we'll get into that. Um, and I got Jason Padolan, who was also in St. John's for a bit at the time. And the boys played with me in the Western League. And Jason just had Mark on his podcast. So uh, I figured, you know, and I was listening and I thought there was some fascinating things. I said, why don't we all get on and we'll talk about, you know, a little bit about the Western League. But that whole series um, and, you know, not just focus on Mark's injury, but, you know, there was a whole hoopla. And, you know, I guess 20 odd years have gone by and I'm sure I know, I know a lot of St. John's Maple Leafs fans listen to this. And anyway, here it is. Without further ado, I'm going to get the boys now. Hook them in here. Go get a coffee. I'll be right back. Mark T.L. and Jason Padolan coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guests are both born in Western Canada in 1976 and are WHL legends, each amassing over 300 points in the famed Junior League in the mid-1990s and going on to eventually have successful professional hockey careers. Both chance starred for the St. John's Maple Leafs from 1996-99 and were part of an intense Atlantic-Canadian AHL rivalry with the Fredericton Canadians, who yours truly was lucky enough to be playing for at the time. I'm also lucky enough to call both these gentlemen buddies and look forward to our chat here today. They are wicked Western leaguers, dynamite dudes, legendary Leafs, remarkable righties, 
patient players, amazing all-stars. They lived up to the hype and can both really snipe. They're amongst the best to play. They're amongst the best to play junior out West. Happy days. Cool guy was nicknamed the Fonz. Both these cats played in St. John's. I like my coffee with a bit of cream in 96. We all made the all-star team. Cows say mood ducks like to quack. One dude, was there when I fought Belak. They were both All-Stars out in the dub, to which I replied, hey, join the club. In grade school, I could uh, I could be a bit of a weasel. One they call Podes, the other they call Diesel. A hockey stick now costs an arm and a leg. One's from Vernon, the other the peg. In 20, my life was hell. When my car got stolen, ladies and gents, it's Mark Dayell and Jason Padulin. How are you, boys? <laughs> Been good. Love it, man. I love those intros. Uh, that's what I got. I got my intros and I got you guys. How are you doing? Diesel? <laughs> Diesel, I've had... So for those listening to my podcast for the first time or that just started listening recently, um, I'm not going to do as much of a... of a What's the word? Mental, chronological uh, time kind of explanation. Well, what a terrible way. We're not going to give you an explanation of his career because Jason Podolan was on this uh, program. I think he was uh, guest number 38. And we went over his career, my career, uh, everything that we kind of journeyed, the journey of hockey took us together. Well, Mark DL, who we call the Diesel, was honestly uh, right in that mix. He was in the middle of all that stuff that was going on. We went to the WHL together. Diesel, were you in the Vancouver Super Series? No. So, but you're from Winnipeg, right? Or did you move there? I just was living there for one year. I'm from Saskatchewan. Okay. I thought because of the uh, Winnipeg Monarchs, you're from Regina then? Yeah. Okay. So 76th birthday. So I'm 77. Podes is uh, 76 as well. So we were all coming out and we all had big years around the same time in the WHL. Diesel, explain a little bit of this then. So Podes, I guess my, my earlier listeners, viewers would, would, would know that Podolan, uh, you're right, went to Spokane. I grew up in, in Vernon, went over to Sherwood Park with a lot of my buddies, uh, Damon Lankow and, 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 and the Hurleys, amongst others. And that was kind of his path. And we went to Brainerd together. We, we, we had the same agency. I always wonder, and we were in the same division. Back then, the Western League was almost like, if you're in the Eastern Division, it's on another planet. It, it was almost like its own league. When I mean, we only played you twice a year. So what was your path in? Like, did you go to Winnipeg for hockey purposes? Because I know you ripped it up in midget. And then were you drafted? How did that work, Diesel? Uh, well, my dad got transferred there for work. So that's the way we went to Winnipeg for the year. So, and I was telling Pods the other day, uh, um, there was only three rounds in the Bantam draft. I was only 130 pounds back then. And you know, nobody looked at you then. So it was more of, uh, I guess... I got an opportunity simply for the fact that a buddy of mine, Regina, told me to come to Saskatoon camp because my dad, and I said it before, my dad was cheap, so he saved money on uh, hotel rooms, sharing it, and then uh, had eight points the first inter-squad game, and then uh, Lubinick, he didn't know how uh, old I was even, and they signed me, and that's the, the history of that. Wow. So the team you went to, the Winnipeg Monarchs, was that the top team in Winnipeg or like Edmonton? Was there like four or five main teams around the city and you all played each other? Yeah, we, well, there was, uh, 
that's so long ago. Um, I think there was probably five or six in the city, and then we played a couple uh, teams outside town. But, uh, yeah, no, it was – I don't know. We only played 36 games back then, and uh, God. it wasn't like how it is now. So. I find it – because Pode's – you know what we all we we had? I don't know where you went, Pots. It was the Bantam draft? I think started in your year, right, Jason? It was the second year of it, um, but it was still like '75. That was when Darcy Mattersdorfer. There's a name from the past, and yeah, some other yeah. guys like like that were high. But there, it was so picked over that draft because a lot of guys had already been listed. And then our my year '76, um, it was almost the first real draft, meaning like that there wasn't guys taken already. But myself, Jeff Friesen, and um, Clayton, uh, what's his last name? Clayton. Not can't uh, remember right now. Clayton, not somebody. But there's three of us that were that were listed by WHL teams already. So it was almost a Colin Cluche. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Clayton, Clayton he, was from, he was, he was from, he was from Saskatchewan. I think a small guy ended up playing, uh, just never grew. He played as a pro for a while, but uh, he got listed at 13, like Friesen and I did. And then the following year, which was your year, uh, was the first year that everyone was eligible. Like every player was eligible for the draft. What I find fascinating though, is that just think diesel's going in at 130 pounds into an unknown situation. Like I always felt I remember having, I used to get really down on myself, but when I went into Tri-City, say, actually, the, the, one of my first games, I gave the puck away to Frank Bannon, who's also been on the show, and um, he scored. But, but I, 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 know, I always knew I was a little bit protected because I'd gone so high in the draft that they weren't going to throw me away for nothing. Like they were going to, at least, you're right. But it would have been a totally different feeling. I can't imagine going in as 130 pounds too, to Saskatoon of all places. I used to go like, holy shit, we'd go over there. I mean, Pods, we're playing in the States. Most most of our games are playing in, in one of those rinks, if it's not Spokane or Tri-Cities or Portland or Spokane or Seattle, sorry, Tacoma at the time. You know, like, it, again, not just distance. And they're over there, and it just seemed, I don't know if it was because it was colder, or it just seemed tougher. And Saskatoon, their average, I, I think Chad Allen was a, you know, was a small defenseman on your team. He's like 6'1". Rhett, Rhett Warner was smallish. Like, how was that going in, Diesel, to camp? Was it what I expected it to be? Because, I mean, any WHL camp was tough, but a lot of those guys were vying for tough guys. So, I mean, you must have really had to keep your head up coming from Midget. Yeah, I... That was one of the reasons why I didn't want to go to Saskatoon, just because it was all, I don't want to say knuckleheads, but it, there was some a lot of meat there. And uh, I remember being 16 when I signed on, and I don't know if you remember Mark Rader, who got traded to Tri-Cities. Yes, I do, yeah. And he told me that I was going to be his B-I-T-C-H, and uh, oh, wow. that kind of gave a, a little guy a scare back then. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> oh God. I, I I remember the days though, like even when we played you only twice a year, there was always you know Belak and McAllister fighting. Oh yeah. Well, you you fought Belak. I remember that fight. Uh, yeah, that way was back day, that was a long fight. I, I I still remember that, and I can't even remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember the fond moments of what we had. But uh, yeah, Sass team was known for. Know, being very tough and 
I guess. And the rinks you're playing in, in Prince, like we used to go to like Prince Albert and, and Swift Current. It was a different kind of getting yourself up. And, and the fans are more into it too. I mean, there's, I, I, I'm not saying I don't remember the whole United States division or whatever we had fondly. I really don't. But, and especially Pods, we'd play you guys, but it, it was often like a party. They'd play YMCA in, in Spokane and they'd love the fights, but you know, the place would be packed and their cheerleaders would come out and it was like this big show, but I actually had the feeling like in Prince Albert and Swift Current, like they hated me. Like I, everybody here wants to turn the bus over. Like it just, and again, I don't know if that was just coldness or, 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 or the, you know, the, the, the dreariness with that. It seemed the rinks were smaller, but I think it was that the fans were just more knowledgeable, you know, that they, they were just Canadian hockey fans and they were sporting their team and they were loud and you know, the odd place they were still throwing batteries and shit. I don't know. It just, it seemed really old school, but on the other side, diesel, you've, I mean, three of us played on tough junior teams, you, you know, after camps over, you've now you're part of that though. You, you're on one of the toughest teams of the era. So I suppose having them on your side would have helped things give you more room on the ice. Yeah, it was, well, we used to play against Prince Albert like 12 times a year. And we used to have to get honestly escorted out of there by the RCMP because it was so bad. And I, I remember a road trip out West in Spokane. And that was when uh, Valerie Bure was playing and I'm assuming uh, pods was there when, he was there and you'd get spit on you'd get everything when you'd come off the the ice and like it people don't understand you know the difference from now to way back when we played and you know i i think it's great that we continue to talk about our past because i think it was you know maybe not getting spit on was a fun thing but it it's something that you you remember right and I, i'll never forget that that was in the old burn and uh Oh, the Boone Street Spokane. burn. Spokane if, you didn't have, if you didn't smell like beer as a hockey player after that game, it wasn't a very good night because, like, those fans were right over top. They'd be dumping right over top, on the other yeah. team and screaming at them. It was awesome. <laughs> it really was. And it's something that um, the whole fandom back then, I mean, God, I, I, I sit here and say the – the United States division, you know, the fans weren't quite into it. Gee, sure. How about that? Have you, have you ever seen the stick swinging ex- incident? Tri cities, Seattle, to, Google that after we're all done. Just what that was a couple of years before we entered the league. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in hockey. And I don't think I'm exaggerating or overstating that diesel. You go in to the Western league and Pods, I, I do want to know about your career too. I was only kidding at the beginning. I'm just saying no, a lot of focus people, on diesel. We good, haven't man. caught up with diesel yet. Um, so you come in talks, man. Yeah. But like, I'm looking, so that year that you come in and make it, you get 53 points right off the bat. I mean, I felt like I had a decent rookie year with 33, uh, and then 102, then 159. So now I had Frankie Bantam on here and obviously you guys really click well together, but how, were you together for most of that time as your, as your points start skyrocketing and who was the third? Was it Clark Wilm? Yeah. Okay, I, I remember, like I said, we only played you guys twice. My memory of, of most of the Eastern Division, you know, is looking at the the game notes that come at the beginning of the game and going, oh, well, he must have had four points last night. Like, we got to turn it on. You know, like that That was, and we played over there. It was, you know, once a year. So I remember you playing with those guys, but was it? did it work right away? 
Um, the, the closest thing I can compare that to would, would be Damon Lankow. Once we played together, we didn't really, there was all kinds of people that came in and out and, and got hurt here and there. Dick Dorian Anik, a guy from Winnipeg, uh, he fit well there for a while. But, you know, we, we just ended up staying. I don't know if we spent a minute off each other's lines after that. Was that the way it was with you guys? Uh, well, we didn't really play in my first year. He was a year older than me. And then uh, just the second year, kind of, it was me. I don't know if Willem was totally on our line that whole time, but um, yeah, we. I remember when he got 50 goals his second year or third year, I guess it would have been for him, but he just was a sniper and we clicked and I was telling pods, uh, I got VCR tapes of our games back then. I just want to be able to see them and, I just remember him being in the slot all the time and power play was just so easy. And like, I, you look at hockey now and the kids are so much better than we were. And, uh, just the talent that's out there, but yeah, no, it, it, we had those wood sticks too, right? Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a coho. I remember that. And then I went to a Vic stick and I had to pay for my own pattern, which basically, we were making like 52 bucks. Every <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wasn't even making money after I had to pay for my own uh, stick pattern, but yeah, no, uh, I, for me with, well, I call him bimbo, but for, for Frank, I, I just wish he would have had a better opportunity because he was, he was quite the player. And, you know, I think he's kind of in a similar situation as Bahanas that, you know, just, they just fell off the map for some reason and then didn't get that, that chance. Like there was only so many scorers like that. And like, they were only six feet. Like they were, they were considered small probably too. Like they and, were and Lonnie Bahanas and, and not to cut you off, Lonnie Bahanas and Frankie Bannum yeah. both scored at the NHL level. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I don't know. It, it, you know, we can talk about our past and, you know, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. And it's no different than business of jobs that we all have now. And um, it's more of, uh, you know, the fond memories I think is the best of the WHL, you know, riding on the bus and, you know, playing pranks and, you know, listen to your CD player that we had. We didn't have phones and stuff like that, but it's, uh, it's more of, uh, I, I think we got to be proud of, what we accomplished um, because you forget about it. And if you don't keep in touch with the people that you played against or with, then you're, you know, your kids, they don't, they don't remember all that stuff. I know, man. And I've, uh, that's why I'm, I'm almost a hoarder when it comes to that stuff. I got all my tapes over there once in a while. I'll throw something up um, on Facebook or Instagram, whatever. I'm, I'm, you know, and at first I was against that, but there's something to be said sometimes for social media. Cause me and the boys will trade tapes and trade, you know, stories is one thing, but when you actually look and see it. Um, so, and I mean, I got all of them. Um, <laughs> do you, you, you end up going to the fifth round of Toronto. Did, did you sign right away? Uh, oh, no, I, I was waiting it out, and then I remember my agent told me, you're so small, you could get hurt. Let's take the, the money that I got. So I signed. I made more money than what normal fifth-rounders, I guess, would have been getting. But 
yeah, once again, I wish I didn't get drafted my first year and didn't sign when I did because things went well with uh, the blades back then. Well, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Ask uh, my buddy Teddy Purcell. Didn't get drafted, then had a super-duper year, as you did. But, I mean, uh, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I've always thought so, too. And, Diesel, I'm not just shooting shit here. Like I said to Podes, and you said right place, right time. Like, you could really, really wheel, and you could really snipe. You go into St. John's, and, and you did the same thing there. Three years, 42, 65, 47 points in your last year, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But still, I'm, I had to remind myself. I'm like, you know, how, how did Diesel do in the AHL? I remember you being one of their scorers, but Jesus, more than a point a game. Um, so you guys come in. Now, it was like reverse what happened to me. I'm, I'm a young kid, 14. I go out west. I get acclimatized in Cornell, BC. I go down to the Western League. 16 17 18 and before the internet so no one the, the, the internet really globalized a lot of things uh, uh, well everything everything just became knowledge was at your fingertips so when i first went out there a i couldn't even send an email to my buddies or, or you know it was it was a letter in the mail and a lot of people didn't really know much about Newfoundland. And I remember telling all my buddies, ah, it's not like that. Like, I'm sure you'd like St. John's. I couldn't believe it when actual buddies from the Western League end up playing here. Now, that must have been a bit of a culture shock for you guys. Maybe not. Maybe not. There's similar people over here, you know, as it is out West for sure. But a different kind of a place. Give me some, give me your take, uh, Diesel and, and Pods. I mean, what did you guys think when you first entered your professional hockey in St. John's, Newfoundland. You go first, Diesel. Well, it took a long time to get there, first of all. But, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it, 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 I guess it, it was harder because of uh, kind of our travel that we always had to do with going on the road and playing a ton of games and, you know, not many nights. And we didn't really have a lot of exposure being on the rock um obviously the people were great um you know you'd see four seasons all the time in one day which you know yeah, is understandable but uh yeah i you know i talked to pods about it like that rink we played in was like a shoebox like he, that's why there's and you'd play back-to-back games with all the teams that came in there was fights all the time and just it was just a different generation playing out there it was you know i said before you know i had buddies playing in vegas that were in the east coast and we're playing on the rock which is not a degrading thing by any means it's just yeah it, it, but you're saying you know, i know vegas is in the east coast hockey league yeah, yeah. and your toronto sperm team yeah. that's at least you get called up and it's six hours at least if you, if you hit all your flights right between the time you're getting on the plane is what's you know to get to toronto it's half a day, right? Yeah. I know I've, I've always found that uh, not peculiar. I, I, I found us fortunate to get a team. You know, when I say us, because I'm from here, and I remember the, the days that the St. John's Maple Leafs came, and no one, no one could believe it. We were like, what? Like, we were hoping, you know, to get – I remember people put together, like, five-year um, business plans to get 3-3-3 three, 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 uh, NHL – 
NFL and some soccer games here, or, or not NFL, uh, sorry, uh, NBA. You know, we, we were really just trying to get some exhibition games over here and figuring that out. And uh, then all of a sudden, the announcement, you know, we're going to have the Toronto Maple Leafs farm team. No one could believe it. Shortly, I mean, that was the year I left to go out west as well. So it was bittersweet for me. And, uh, you know, you guys came over here. It was also after the Cod Moratorium, which was, you know, there was a lot of unemployment. People lost their jobs. They didn't feel it was their fault. So there was an angst, although... Because of that, I think the St. John's Maple Leafs were loved because it was a distraction from all that, at least being from here. That's what I think. And when you talk about the 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 the, uh, the, the rink, yeah, the shoebox, I mean, and you guys both are similar in many ways, right? You're, you're, you, you snipe your, your, your right-hand shots, your scores. You, you had to navigate your way around all that. I mean, my answer, I mean, I'm similar too. I mean, you know, we all approach the game the same. My answer was, you know, and again, there was different circumstances to kind of fight fire with fire. I got a lot of those fights. Looking back, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't think one way or the other of it. I, I just think, you know, I wonder what life would have been like if it wasn't so hard at every game ever to deal with a bird dog or whoever it would be, uh, Clayton Norris or Gilly or whatever, right? It was, it was a hard division to play in. Um, but you still navigated around it. What do you think, Podes? What, what do you think, uh, do you think you benefited? Because you both scored a lot and you had a tough team there and it was close quarters, so you're getting lots of chances. Or would you rather have, you mean, because there's something to be said for opening it up. I think two of you guys in particular, if I was to think, you know, with the kind of players you are, and I'm certainly not saying that you're not tough uh, because to be successful at the time, one way or the other, uh, required a lot of balls, but I think, you know, I, I picture if, if you guys playing on a, with less hitting and a little bit bigger of an ice surface and you're wheeling, I'm picturing you're going to enjoy that way more. What do you think, Pods? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was what it was. I mean, I guess, right. I was, I think I was pretty accustomed to it playing, playing and spoke. Yeah, I mean, it was always kind of, uh, it wasn't kind. It was always a hundred, hundred PIM kind of guy. It would get my handful of fights a year. I mean, I liked, I like the corners. The thing that I needed um, was a guy to get me the puck. I mean, that was, that was what I needed. I needed a, I needed a good centerman that could find me. Cause I, I was always good at finding space, um, but I didn't really want to have it in the neutral zone, you know, or in our end. Like I was a guy that came with, uh, with some speed late and found my holes. And so I was definitely benefited from playing with Mark and uh, Mark and Lonnie and Brandon Convery, actually, those are my three. Main yeah. Brandon Convery. I, yeah. 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 So, I forgot he played, you with know, you for, for me, for me, right. Those are three amazing players. Right. And you, you play with amazing players who can find you. You're going to get your shots. And usually when I got my shots, I'd get my goals. So the, uh, the physicality, I, I don't know. It never really phased me. I just me, mean honest, with like right? the scrums and, and the hooking and hold, not so much as answering the bell, because I really, I, I think anybody to keep going back then and, and uh, you know, if you were successful in those situations, especially in Memorial Stadium, then it goes without saying that you're a fairly tough player anyway. And you did, you know, Pods, you dropped the mitts quite a bit, to be honest. But with all the, you know, what do you think? Would you rather have the rules today, for example, less hooking and holding? You know, there's probably less after the whistle bullshit. You, and, you know, you, you'd get pissed off and answer, you'd answer back and you'd be in the box. Yeah, that would happen yeah. a little less. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, well, you'd have a different view of that of me. I mean, every, I mean, you, like the tough guys in the league, 
thought that they should be with you. You I mean, for me, I would kind of fight here and there. So it was like, when am I going to fight or who is really going to fight me? You know, usually the big guys would leave me alone, right? Like I was kind of, I wasn't thought of as that, but the tough defensemen, like the three, four guy would want me in the box or try and get under my skin, you know? And then there'd be guys like Diesel that I don't think anyone really thought would fight, right? And, And didn't really have to. So there was, you know, there was sort of different angles to that whole you know, evolution of the game. But as far as like the, the penalties are concerned, I mean, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't be better today. You know, I was a guy that was fast. And if a guy got a st- stick on me, though, I wasn't like a Jagger. Like I would slow down. I couldn't carry three guys with me. I was more like a thoroughbred than a Clydesdale, right? So, I mean, and I often would have a step on a guy, but then they'd put the pitchfork in oh, yeah, the pitchfork, the thing between your legs and you'd slow down, right? You know what I mean? Like you'd stop. So, um yeah, I guess Mark can speak for himself. I assume that he would say he'd be better in today's game too. I mean, I, I have I have no idea, but I think it'd be nice to find, try and free reel out there with with the guys uh, today for sure. Diesel, what I love, I, I love when you was it black or blue blades? They were dark, they were dark, and you had that skinny gear. Uh, you, you, I think a lot of your success, like you just looked like a shinny player or something. You, you, I, I don't mean this in a bad way. You were sneaky out there. You were sneaky. You, obviously, 160 points is insane in one season. But you look like, you know, God, Kenny, just leave him over there. Like, you, you know, it looked like you put the gear together that morning. You were wearing your brother's skate. <laughs> it was like, you know, just the way he was. But but it was so sneaky and he just scored. You'd be like, fuck. I remember, I remember one of the games we played, you having a four goal game. Um, so listen, so we're going to get into. Here, I'll tell you an old story about my blades. Yeah. Okay, good. So, I love that. When I was in midget, my brother's like, let's tape your uh, blades up. So we went and bought some blue tape. So I did the bottom of my skates and then do you remember when you were in the WHL when so many people got CCM and so many people got Bauer and all the good players apparently got Bauer and CCM was the the other side of it. <laughs> so I didn't want CCM because I wore Bauer forever. So I had those skates my first year and wore them the whole year again. And it was it was just blue duct tape around the bottom of my my skates. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no wonder. So you did look like a fucking shinny player wearing his hand-me-down gear from his brother. I thought so. <laughs> oh, and there was the odd the odd time you had a turtleneck on too, didn't you? Yeah, I always wear a turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. So you you just you were it was a different presentation out there. Yeah. Um, so we all go. Uh, from the Western League. And, uh, you know, guys, think about like a six or seven year span, whatever it was. As far as tough leagues, like we went from the Western League at, at like the peak of the chaos where another topic I don't get into. It, but remember, they, they wouldn't even allow 10 minute misconducts in our league. Every other year they did. Oh, we couldn't even warm up with each other because there would be a brawl. So <laughs> we go from that to, to the Atlantic division of the AHL. And not only that, like you said, guys, the travel. Like the travel in the Western League is known to be uh, excruciatingly gruesome at times. If you if you're going into the playoffs and oh shit, like we got our Eastern Division swing now, you're like oh god, you know, get ready, you know, bring up some midget players and play because you're going to go over there. And you know, we would go over. It was I think thirty hours to Brandon and make our way back. I mean, you're going halfway across the country, right? So 
And then we come over here and you guys are in St. John's. Like you said, Diesel, you're going on road trips for sometimes three, three weeks to four weeks at a time. Right. And that's, I don't think I'm exaggerating there. So just pointing that out. It's, it's, it was, we went from like the, the most road trips and body checks taken in six or seven years <laughs> that, that, that could be possible in hockey's parameters anywhere in the world at the time. <clears throat> so Luke, remember those trips? So like, uh, that was one thing I think Diesel and I talked about on, on my pod, like the, we, we were on the road and that was the only time anyone would ever see us. Right. Because no one was ever in the rock to watch games. I'm talking scouts now. Right. I'm talking yeah. scouts of other teams or whatever the case may be. So now you're on the road. You're on the road for three weeks at a time and you're playing all the time. Right. So like I, I remember always before and you're being home, judged. And it was like, yeah. yeah, every every week there'd be a game on Wednesday. You'd have a day off Thursday, travel day, and then you'd play Friday, Saturday in different towns. And then you'd have a game on Sunday afternoon before you hit the airport to fly home. So you had four games in three and a half days at the end of a three-week road trip, which was entirely like that the entire time. So, like, we didn't know any different, but, like, looking back on that is, like, you know, to be your best in that environment, eating shitty pizza on the bus after games and, you know, whatever else we were eating, like, that was a tough slog, man, for sure. I'm telling you, it really is. Like, I'm, I'm the path, you know, to go from that situation in the dub and then into the A, and you guys, I mean, I can say I played in Fredericton. We, we had kind of hard travel given, you know, r the relativity to pro hockey. But you guys in St. John's, now I, I ended up playing here as well. I'm just saying those years. Um you know, it's, it's a totally different schedule and you're right that you go on there and you, people are judging you when often, I, I don't want to say you're at your worst, but it takes a lot to get mentally involved into those games. I found playing in St. John's, I found the road trips to be mentally and physically exhausting. It was good to get the boys together, but I think that's maybe why there's such camaraderie because of that. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, but now get, we're going to get into the 98-99 playoffs. There's a, there's a story here. We might as well tell the whole thing. So um, for those that don't know, I'm just going to go. There's probably four or five highlights here. And it was a story that was kind of told at the time. Everybody knew something had happened. No one really knew what. And I guess it's the epitome of the rivalry that, that would be happening. Now, for me personally, this was the end of my second year in Fredericton and I'd had a good year the year before uh, 21 goals, 256 minutes. And I, I, it was a lot, you know what I mean? Like, it, like, like we've said, it was, it was tough circumstances. I was doing it all because I, my eyes were on the prize and you know, I wanted to play in the NHL. I thought I had a good chance. The second year I go down, I didn't think I'd be sent down and it happened. And I didn't really get along with Michelle Terrian that much, but I mean, like, na like his natural, I didn't want to spend any more time in Fredericton. It was the end of my second year now. I, I, I think high 40s points, something in 50-odd games. Fought everybody. It was getting re repetitive. So I was kind of just waiting for the year to end. Uh, I hate to say that out loud. I'd never say it with my teammates at the time. You know, you go to war together. But at certain points in your life, you know, you're in, you're, look, you're looking at the schedule, right? You're looking at your watch. So that's what I was doing. I won't name names, but a lot of us, same thing. Not saying we weren't going to play hard, but, you know, can this season end without me being injured will be great because I think I've put in the time. My, my rating is where it is. I feel it's good within the organization and I'd like to just move on. And I was waiting to get either traded or, or make Montreal once and for all. 
So again, that was my mindset. But neither Canadian team had made the playoffs in the NHL. So I've often said it's one thing for the minor league teams to play, but we were the Fredericton Canadians, and you guys were the St. John's Maple Leafs. And there was something to that. It, it, it added to the lore of it all. Jason, you played most of that season, which would have been your third in St. John's, I believe. Uh, you got traded when? It Was it February or March? Yeah, March. And where did so even though as we talk about the playoffs here, you're part of this story because you were um, part of the rivalry. Now, tell us about your situation. Where did you end up getting traded to? Yeah, just so total sidebar. I was uh, I was out at the mall there in St. John's, came home, didn't even know it was the deadline, even though I'd already been traded at the deadline once, kind of completely out of it. And I came home, Aaron Brand was there, and he's like, L.A., baby, L.A. And I was like, what? I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I guess, you know, Barnett had called. And, yeah, anyways, I was going uh, I was going to Los Angeles to play with the Kings and uh, got traded for Yannick Perot, who came back the other way, uh, went went straight to uh, Toronto. I ended up going to Long Beach uh, and, and ended up leaving these guys. That's where my first stop was because, uh, anyways, that's a whole other story. But contract-wise, I had a, I had a one-way deletion clause after 40 games in my entry level. So they left me in Long Beach. Uh, so when they called me up, I'd end up with 39 games and, and not not get to that one way. So I was in Long Beach for like five games. Wow. And they brought me up. Um, but anyways, yeah, that was my departure. So I, I left St. John's there. We had an awesome place underneath Signal Hill. Um, left Brando and the boys and then uh, kind of followed these guys a little bit. The best you can, you know, like you already mentioned back in the day, there wasn't there wasn't a great way to keep track of what was going on. Um, really like there was no internet, nothing else, but you know, I was then in the IHL and the HL and these you guys were battling it out in the A. And didn't you have, I remember you had the most goals in pro hockey that year. Am I wrong? You left with like 41 and finished with 47 or 48. This is a 20 year old memory here. What's going on? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're pretty close. I think it was 48. I had five with LA. I think it was 47 then. I got five okay. five with Long Beach. I left with 42, which was the top in the AHL at the time, and then uh, almost almost got to 50 combined, I guess, which was which was top in in the minors at that point. Diesel, you had 47 points in 44 games that year. So, and and you know the year before you had 65 and 72. You're coming on, but you're you're scoring a lot. What was your I mean, and your injury ends up happening. We'll get into that happening in the playoffs. Why did you only play 47 games? Or 44 games, sorry. Uh, I broke my finger. Oh, shit. What a shitty injury to have as a as a uh, sniper. Um, yeah, I remember coming to the bench, and my finger was straight across. <laughs> the trainer just tried to snap it back. I think it was Nick. The, Nick I remember that, back. too, now that you bring it up. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I played the game. I, I scored a goal actually off my shin pad because I couldn't shoot it all because we had to tie my fingers together on the glove. And yeah, then went and got uh, surgery, and that was the end of it for a while. So I'm going to fast forward ahead. Now tell me, because a, a significant life-altering moment happens to you. I think it was in game three. I could be wrong, maybe four. But at my memory of all this is that we come in, it's all hyped up. We come in St. John's and beat you guys the first two games. And it's a three out of five because it's the first round of the playoffs. Am I wrong when I say that? Uh, <laughs> probably. I, 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 couldn't, I can't remember. I couldn't find, I couldn't find 
the situation because I know we lost in five games. Why? Or no, sorry, we won it in you five won. games yeah. back in in St. John's. But I believe, I believe we won the first two. So we come back to Fredericton to play. Now, this happens, Pods. I'm sure you heard this story. So for whatever reason, I was up. I don't know if I had an injury. I don't know what it was. I was in Montreal in between. I flew up there. You know, I remember talking with the coach and everything and, 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 um, you know, who knows, but it was only two or three days. I came back as I get in Fredericton, wheel in, it's like 7 AM go to the rink. Diesel, were you there when bird dog skated onto our ice and started taking slap shots at all our players? <laughs> so, yep. so yeah, we're waiting. Apparently Pod's like, it says like, we're looking up and, and apparently St. John's were supposed to come on the ice at 10 15. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the, I was there for that. Cause that was the year before. So that was, oh, that was the year before. before. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, that's okay. a hell of a story to tell. Yeah. He ripped so, one off Rolly Melanson's foot. I think yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it is part of the story because it leads up. So that, that is part of the story though, even though, because what I'm saying is that all these things happened over like leading up to this point, there was yeah. a whole lot of bullshit and Thority used to go as, as Tarion was in the stands and just yell at him going around the ice. You, I won't say it, but like giving it to him, right? Thority and the boys were giving it like nothing I've ever seen. So yeah, yeah Bird Dog had come on our ice and taken slap shots at us and during practice, like old school <laughs> shit that was even old school then. Like you wouldn't even care of that ever happening remotely in the twenties, maybe. You know what I mean? So anyway, all that had happened. So we come back up there to play game three. So there's there's a lot of hype happening. I remember being down in the room and, and now a lot, all of a sudden, like Mario Tremblay had turned into a pro scout, um, Jacques Lemaire, there's a bunch more and they're all there and they come in and for, for good reason, I guess, you know, their prospects are playing the Leafs prospects and it's the biggest show in Canadian hockey, albeit the AHL. So they're really like hyping us up and, and I'm fine with, with all of that. I, I, I get it. it. It's a big series. Um, the night before, the night before, this is true. I always, Gilly's my buddy from here. So I always would go out and meet Gilly for a beer or, or a chicken wing or whatever it might be, man, and watch the game. We went to Dolan's. And anyway, Bird Dog was there. And I said, you want a beer? And he said, uh, I'll take one from people on my own fucking team. That was a Bird Dog. He wouldn't even say, yeah, that's true. Folks. So, <laughs> um, and as I sit there, though, I'm like, okay. So the other authorities there, I know authority, but me and authority fought you know, a few times a year, but I just knew him. So it, it wasn't like I was sitting there. It was, a, it was a hockey thing. I didn't hate him, but anyway, the brass came in and they were really pissed. So this was in the middle of the day though. You know, there, there was NHL playoffs on, it wasn't really that big of a deal, but I remember getting to the rink and they, they made a huge deal of it, a huge deal. And, um, and we also had Mike Ribeiro and Eric Schwinard brought up from junior, right? So the boys are sitting there in the wings and I think they wanted a reason to play them. But anyway, Gilly, uh, Gilly says to me in warm up, he goes, ah, he's chewing his mouth guard and he looks over and he says, ah, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I said, what do you mean? I thought he meant he was going to talk to his coach or whoever and say, you know, it was no big deal. I'll play hard against Terry. And anyway, Gilly, Gilly elbows me first shift, shatters my nose. That's how he took care of it. Right. Yeah, we're not buddies. So anyway, anyway, the game goes on. Now, Diesel, you're one of their biggest offensive players if not their biggest, you're in a rhythm. You're there. I remember, and you know, always was aware of you because we're buddies from the Western League. Um, 
Unfortunately, game three, was it, or game four? Four. Okay, four. So it's our second, but it's second game back in Fredericton. It's during that time. So all this happens. So Gilly busts my nose. Then we're going to the next game. So, yeah, wow. Thanks for refreshing my memory. So this is the way I remember it. We're going in. Oddly enough, I don't remember when Milo, what you tell me what you remember, but you know, about the whole incident with your eye. I was on the ice for it. Um, I remember Milo trying to lift your stick. I don't think he meant, you know, I know he didn't mean to do it. The guy felt really bad. And I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about it now, but I really, really promise you he didn't mean to do it. And it was a weird shift because, do you remember this happening earlier in the shift? Scott King was our, our, our sentiment. He went to take the draw and he got kicked out. And then Aaron Ashton went in to take the draw and he got kicked out. Then I went in to take the draw and I got kicked out. They, they kept saying we were moving our stick early. So earlier in that shift, Milo went in to take the face off. So he was out of position. I remember that. Now, I don't remember where I remember where it happened, but you would remember better than me. I, I turned around and I was without explaining exactly what I saw. I was like, something major is happening here. Why don't you explain from your perspective? Yeah, I talked to Pods, but I don't really like to think about it, but it's easy to talk about. Uh, it's been so long, but uh, no, I just jumped over the uh, the boards and got the puck and was coming at uh, um, Darren, and uh, he kind of just jabbed. Yeah. And, and then it, you know, remember the can opener that McCabe used to do and all that? Like, just, yeah. you know. Obviously, the stick work was different back then, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. then it uh, just moved up on my face, and uh, yeah, all I remember is just going down, and instantly it was like a baseball size of uh, swelling, and then it took uh, three people to uh, uh, pry my eye open to uh, see, and I couldn't see, and I knew I was done. And um, obviously, our trainer Nick was really awesome back then, helped me out, but. Yeah, it was an unfortunate thing. I I hurt somebody with my skate back in the day too, and you know I I still live with that every day. It's not not fun, but it's part of life, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm even look, man. I'm sure this makes you a little bit uncomfortable, so I'm I really appreciate the conversation. And all all, all this many years later, um, it still doesn't get easier for me again. And I don't want to, I don't want to think in hockey terms. I, I don't because it's a human thing, but you're also watching someone's livelihood because, you know, I don't know if I've, I don't want to explain it, the whole thing, man, but I've only seen a few injuries in my life that you're like, okay, that could be career ending. I've only seen a few of them. And that was one of them. And I, I was just because you, you were rolling. You were, you know, I, I hate to say could have, should have, would have, because anything could have happened. If I've learned anything, I mean, you know, I, my buddy BJ Young, Todd Klassen, they're six feet under. Mike Collins, Johnny DeLille, you know, who's in that game, Jonathan DeLille. So, you know, it, 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 it could be worse, but it's hard for me to sit here without looking at Mark Dale as I know him, not having played an NHL game. So that must have been hard to deal with because you were one of the best snipers in the minors for your age. There's no doubt. All I see happening in your future was, was um, you know, it, it looked bright. And I hope this is not shedding too much light on a bad thing because I'd rather focus on you were a great hockey player. You are a great hockey player. And you clearly, clearly 
have a major passion for it to come back and play for a few games. And even I saw you played senior that one year. I mean, you must love the game, Mark. Uh, so you, this happens. Were, were you knocked out or, I mean, I don't know if everybody has had that moment of an injury. Like it must've been surreal. Like you're like almost breathtaking as you're coming off the ice. No. Yeah. Well, I remember, I don't know if anybody remembered that, but I remember kicking my legs all the way to the cement of the ice when I was lying down because I was in such, my adrenaline was just going so crazy and, I just kept kicking and kicking and kicking because I, I kind of knew what occurred. So it was more like a panic thing. And then when I got up and uh, was taken off, I knew I was uh, in some trouble. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, you don't wish anything upon anybody. And I don't think he, he did it for any reason, obviously. But uh, just the way it was taken care of from your end, you know, <clears throat> there was only two of you allowed to come see me. You kind of need closure on stuff. And I think even, you know, with our teammates back then, we didn't really have anybody to talk to or open up to. You kind of were just, we were always closed off. Even if it was a, you know, separated shoulder, you, you kind of just did things on your own and, you know, now I think it's better because people actually communicate. And back in our day, obviously there was no phones. There was no nothing. There was like, I couldn't call my family and be like, Hey, you know, this is yeah. going on. They would have obviously got notified somehow. I can't remember how that went down, but yeah, it's more just, uh, I don't know when I, I, I guess when you're told you deserved everything you got from your side of things. It's uh, pretty sad. Well, I can tell you this now, this happened. So I've often, and the reason I'm glad you uh, want to even talk about this, A, because I think people should know all about Mark DL, who was a great hockey player. B, people have asked me these stories over the years, and I've often, I've heard the same thing. Now, I'll tell you, for it being that we disrespected and we said you deserved it. So this is true. This is a true story. I know we're going back a while. And like I said, I did not like Michelle Therrien, and I forgive him. He was definitely one of the reasons that my career at least was negative for a little bit. I, I didn't like dealing with the guy. I don't want to blame anything on him. I could have handled a lot differently. And certainly I gave him reason and fuel a lot with my smart mouth. I know it. But I just didn't like the guy. Now, this happened. So we were obviously, obviously most people, the way that Michelle Therrien or, or, or whoever else at the time, I don't remember how it was reported, but with Bird Dog coming on the ice the year before, they had this big hatred built up. And as I just said, I mean, I'd often, I don't know, Diesel, I remember going down to the Majestic and having beers with you in, in, in Newfoundland downtown. And I remember just, you know, because we were buddies from the Western League, I remember sitting at the bar and, you know, you always had a, really unique outfit on i love that you're, you're your own person um but uh, i remember that distinctly um so we were really affected you know the guys in that room boyd olson like western league you know um good people even our tough guy dave morissette or, or dave are tough guys um 
you, you know, people people were in there were affected, man. We we were uh, Aaron Asham, just to be human. So, and Milo Slav, who did it, felt real bad. Now he was. I lived with him. Um, Milo was a uh, again. I don't want to say a soft player, but he was softer for that era. I mean, he never went out there and tried to hurt anybody or whatever. You you had to play with some degree, I guess, of fearlessness uh to, to just survive but he felt really really bad so he was up all night we had a place on frederick lane i remember it and i i don't remember at what time but i remember saying well we got to go in i said he's my buddy don't worry about it like he's not going to hold this against you when we go in there if you want to go in and you want to make yourself feel better i just can't see how it would be bad milo and if we go there and their players, you know, I'm sure they're going to be outside the door. If they think that it's 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 going to be a shock for Mark to see you, then I, we won't go in. But it made him feel like, okay, Teddy, okay, Teddy. It made him feel a lot better. So we went over like you would. I remember three or four of your players standing outside the door. I remember going in saying our thing. Milo, I think, was shocked. I don't know what he what he said, if he said anything. But I remember he he was definitely came. He was in the room. So we go to practice. Okay, now, I guess game five would have been happening. If that happened in game four, then game five would have been happening back in St. John's, which, which it did, but we hadn't left yet, I, I suppose, and you didn't because you're I. So we went in the morning, and Michelle Terrian had this big meeting with us, and he sat down and he said, there's, uh, there's traitors, there's traitors on the team. And honest to my God, man, I'm eating an egg McMuffin. I don't think anything of it. I'm, but I, I think we're on the we're in the room. I'm assuming we we're going out for a skate before the plane or whatever. And um, anyway, he goes on this big story, and then he he starts like when I first coached pro hockey, like he goes there, and like so it's like a half hour rant, and it ends with the traders, and I'm still thinking who's he talking about, and he says Terry Ryan and Miloslav Guerin for going to the hospital to see a guy who got his eye speared out. I'm going, are you, I can't, I, I can't believe it. I'm my, like, I'm again, this happened four or five times that year. I don't remember it on any other coach I ever had or any other. So it was unique to this guy. That's why I wanted out. I'm just like, is he trying to get under my skin? Is that what he's trying to do? Or is he legitimately think that I'm a traitor for this? Cause like, I didn't like to be reminded. Those were tough days, man, mentally and physically on everybody. Like, I mean, just playing in that league at that time, it was tough. And, you know, I always like to separate the, the humanity part of it. The human, I remember Pods, you coming down and eating at McGinnis landing and telling me how much you love Caesar salads on the road. I remember you saying that, like, cause there was always a human part of it. I remember seeing the boys outside the rink to not be able to go to say that we're traitors for this means that we're always warriors. Then I, you know, in the middle of the summer, then Mike, you just want me to hate these people. Like, and I guess that's what he wanted. So not we, it's not that me and Milo were allowed to go. We went. And I guess in Mike's mind, it was an unwritten rule. Nobody, Michelle's mind, nobody was going. So he got upset at that. Now I'll tell you what happens when we come back to St. John's. Because you heard, Mark, did you not? You you heard from somebody that someone said that you deserved it. Mm -hmm. um, so 
again, no one that I know of on our team, we were all, I mean, some guys were praying and I mean it. We were very, very concerned. Um, so Michelle was out eating downtown. I think the hungry fisherman at the time, I know we went there here and there, but they were down around eating anyway. And they went over, they said to watch, and it was Michelle and a few more. I won't name names because I really don't even think they knew what was going on. But I think there's a level of Mike that, you know, he didn't, he, he was never trusting. He was always, um, uh, you know, what's the word negative, but, um, cynical, cynical. Thank you very much. My thesaurus. Um, so he went out, he thought, I think a few of us would be out on George street. He said later that he, he went out to see the game, but he definitely didn't go to TJ's or Turkey Joe's as it was called then to see the hockey game. And you guys know he didn't cause there was no TVs in there. It was a dance club. So I think he he expected to see us, but he didn't. And you guys had a great team, and but some, you know, at the time there were no rules. You could go out and have beers whenever you wanted. We didn't go out the night before games if no other reason than Michelle was going to freak out. And I didn't really like the hangover anyway, to be honest. I, I never was a guy to go out too too hard the night before. Yeah, you steak dinner and a few beers with the boys, right? But I mean, they were in turkeys. Now, another reason they're probably dealing with the loss of the playoffs and, you know, the, the concern for their buddy being diesel. So anyway, the story is there was a bartender down there, Bruno at the time and uh, some other people that are still down around and Michelle ordered a drink apparently. And the boys were there and he brought up your name. I don't know the exact wording I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I, I well, uh, maybe he deserve it. Maybe he deserve it. Now, from what I understand, now, you know, Lonnie, you've heard it. Maybe, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong. Lonnie got upset at this. There were no Fredericton Canadians out that night, contrary to popular belief, because it got bottled up pretty quick. But Lonnie had heard it, and Lonnie went out and socked him pretty good. And we, again, didn't know any of this. We woke up in the morning. Michelle called a team meeting. We went down to it, and we got let. But it was the weirdest, weirdest kind of meeting he said he was fair for his life. Um, he turned it around. It's almost like he was using it for a tactic. And at this point, we were blown away. But I'll stop there. Is this the same sort of thing you heard, Diesel? 100%. From the boys on the team. I live with the guy that uh, was a and, part of it. And Lonnie, I mean, explain about Lonnie. Lonnie's a tough guy. He's from the Woodby. He, he didn't drop his gloves to be tough on the ice. I mean, it happened, but he, Lonnie wasn't the kind of person that would be malicious or to go to a bar and try to put it up. Was he? I never saw Lonnie punch anyone. No. Okay. So, and Pods, you, you both, I guess, were aware. It, Michelle Terrian's not on trial here, but I just was really, this is one of the things that I couldn't believe as I was going through it. And people asked me years later about Michelle Terrian. And at the time, at the time, I protected him too. I didn't want to say any of this publicly. And meanwhile, people are going, why isn't Ryan with the Habs or whatever? You know, I didn't want to be. I didn't know. Fuck, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm making it personal. I'm just saying my relationship with him, I bottled it up because I just wanted a shot to get up and everything. I didn't think burning bridges publicly was going to do it. So it was more selfish than anything. But a lot of us didn't say anything. I remember having a team meeting 
to 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 walk away and and to to call the GM and and get rid of the guy. But this was going on, and he'd be smoking on the bus anyway. He calls this meeting. And we're in there. And he said he told us straight up that he feared for his life, that Lonnie Bahanas attacked him, and that we got to win this game and get out of St. John's as soon as we could. So um, what happens is, Diesel, we play that game. It's it's chaos, too, because the hockey news, all these – again, it's there because of that rivalry and the uniqueness of it. But the story didn't really get out. No one wanted to go on the record. But everybody knows something's happening. So Lonnie scores the first – now. Anybody out knows, you know, word is spreading. So, like, all my buddies know that Lonnie got into Tarion last night, but the reporters, I don't know if they do. Word That's spreading, insane. though, right? That's yeah, yeah. so insane. Oh, it's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. So, and, and so there's an awareness. And if you're, if you're a who's who in the rink, you know what happened, right? But, again, I don't think it's on record anywhere. But take my, this, this is gospel, I'm telling you. So, um. Lonnie scores the first goal from the blue line, slap shot upstairs on Jose Theodore, top corner. I'll never forget it. The place goes bonkers. They're freaking, they're loving it. They're loving it. They're loving it. Lonnie's, you know, the center of attention, scores the goal. And they're also loving that, you know, he, he's rallying behind Diesel, right? Because Mark's also out here. Think of, think of now Tavares being out on the Leafs. It was the same kind of situation, right? It was the same kind of thing. You still rally. St. John's, if nothing, is a passionate fan base. So, we go out, that happens, but they, whatever, one thing leads to another, and we're playing, it's me, Scott King, and Aaron Asham, and I remember us scoring two at least goals that game. I don't remember the score. I just know that we were playing pretty well. We were flying, and uh, I remember Asham having a big game. Uh, and anyway, we won. We won in game five. So as we're going off, I'm... Tyrion calls everybody off. He doesn't want anybody to shake hands. Calling everybody off the ice. So I looked at, again, I remember Asham. I remember Morissette there. Um, it was mostly English guys. And I don't think it was because the French guys didn't want to shake hands. I think it was because they were intimidated by Michel Tyrion. Um, but it, whatever it was, Boyd Olson, you know, I can name him. I thought Matt Higgins, but Higgy, or Higgy was, I think, maybe called up. Whoever it was, I could go down the list. Eight or nine of us shake hands. And not everybody on their team does either because Bird Dog's over there and Tyrion's yelling at Bird Dog. And Bird Dog, but, but Tyrion kind of starts it all. So say half a dozen or more on each team Jesus, shake hands. They had more than we did, actually. They, almost their whole team. And anyway, I come off, and he freaks out. Now, w without without going further into the story, I'll tell you personally how I felt about that. Again, I go back. I I think I know. I'm looking at the numbers even. I'm a prospect, one of their big ones. Uh, and I just wanted – I remember thinking, just get me out of here. Get me out of here. But I'm doing all right, but get me out of here. So he, he goes back to Freddie. He, he tells us that we're playing St. John Flames, I believe, in the second round. And – Again, he gets on this traitor thing, this traitor, traitor, and he says he's going to sit me out. A bunch of the boys stand up and say, well, you know, you can't, you can't do that. Theodore was one. I know that. And, you know, Terry, because I played hard for them and everything. So Eric Sharon, it was either in game one or two of the St. John Flame series, was coming back from a kidney disease, some major problem. He went from like 220. He was a real good defenseman sure you guys remember him down to like 175 in the time so he'd been off for like five months and he was coming back and it was as much 
you know, something to rally behind uh, than anything. I'm not sure how much ice time he got. But Tyrion came in in between. And again, the guy's a rookie coach. I made mistakes when I was – so I do forgive him for all of this. I got no real reason to other than I have to believe that after that he went to the NHL and became a scout. He must have grown up a bit. You can't go through life like that. So he came in and, yeah, he, he basically told somebody, and he looked right at me, uh, to go to take the wind out of their sails. Take the wind out of their sail and fight Sharon. So I went out, and again – I, my mind's spinning. I looked over. I, I start the game. I got my stick down. I looked over at Sharon, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm coming right after you. It's the only time I ever did it. I heard people say it to me. Hey, coach is sending me out after. I wasn't one of those guys. I would never blame it on the coach. I'm here for you, even if he told me. But I was like, this is embarrassing. It's, it's the worst thing, but I got to do it. And as I did it, I, I, I know a lot can happen in a kid's life, and that's when I, I'm telling you, I decided that I would never play again as, for them as I was beating up Eric Sharon. I went in the room. I took all my gear. I threw it all over the room. I said, never again. I went out and I sat on the bus and he sat me out gladly for the entire rest of the playoffs. Uh, and then after our meetings, I went up and basically asked to get out of there, as did a lot of other guys. Um, now, Diesel, I don't mean to make that personal. I just want you to know how that actually played out and how we actually thought about that. And it wasn't our team saying that you deserved anything. We all played hard, but most guys on that team, I mean, I remember more than one person. I think Martin Gendron led the charge, maybe. Um, if not Scott King, but it was one of them that we were going to get a big card and have everybody sign it. And then he was, he was just fuming. So we didn't end up doing it. That, 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 you know, I settled on, fuck this. I'm going to go to the hospital anyway. But, you know, I kind of knew you a little bit and Miloslav had done it. I'm not saying that other players on the team wouldn't have, it's just the way it went down. And no one that I know of certainly said that you deserved anything. But after all these years, I hope that that clears things up at least a little bit. Um, do you ever see, Lonnie anymore? No, I, well, last I would have saw him was when I played with him in Switzerland, but uh, he ended up getting, oh, he had, uh, I think he broke his back in Germany, I want to say, and he had to retire, but I think if you want to look at it, you taking this all and uh, well, I used to call him Poodle, but I guess we'll just keep him with pods, but um you, you kind of, I think there's a reason why, you know, you guys do your gig now is to make people talk because, you know, when I got hurt, I had one person to talk to and it was a trainer and like, it wasn't like the coach came in and, you know, was there for you or nobody understands the effect, um, you know, people go through with stuff like this. And like I said, it's, it, this is not a pity party by any means. It's more for people down the road to be able to communicate and feel comfortable, you know, if something's wrong or, you know, it, it could be somebody getting in a car accident. It doesn't have to be an athlete. It, it, it's just more that, you know, because we play hockey, we think we're tough and we just hold everything in. And then all of a sudden you get old and you go, hmm, 
now I'm sentimental. Now I want to talk. Now I want to do all these things. And, you know, we never did it. And I think, you know, it, it, it's something that needs to be out there is that, yeah, your enemies against each other on the ice, but in the end, you're all hockey players. And it's like, you've played against a lot of the people for years and years that, you know, what's wrong with communicating? Like we've, we've started now WhatsApp stuff with hockey players and you just shoot the crap, find out where they're at, how their family is, all that stuff. But, you know, Pods and I talked about it that, you know, he felt bad that, you know, he wasn't there for me. Well, it, that's long in the past. And I probably would have been the one that just said, Hey, I'm okay. Like it, it's, it's more of how we do things in the new era, especially with having the technology that we have to allow everybody to communicate. And some people obviously take um, social media overboard, which, you know, there's always going to be people like that. Donald Trump did when he was the president, but uh, um, it's more just to be, you know what, Hey, how you doing? That's all it takes sometimes for some people that you're around. Cause you know, I fought depression for quite a while and you know, I didn't know who to reach out to that. That, that was my thing. And Tyson Nash, I remember when he was in Phoenix, he said, all these guys that come out of hockey, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know what is going on. And finally you know, the curve has changed even with agents and stuff. They finally have people that, you know, if they need to communicate or, you know, I, I guess what I'm getting at is that a lot of us, we felt embarrassed if we had to talk. I totally stuff. agree. We always what? hid everything, not hid, but kept everything inside instead of going, you know, me calling you and going, hey, I just want to shoot the shit with you. And yeah. nobody ever did it. And, you know, we were later on in our career, we, we did have a little bit of technology, but nobody ever, nobody ever wanted to talk. And, and you talked about the same things, meaningless. I, the things that were on my mind, I didn't like, you know, I go to the bar and talk about uh, last night's game, a good looking woman. Um, you know, you're going to gamble on football next week. I, I, anything. Like, Podes, I can read your uh, the, the write-up um, to your podcast that you send out every week. Up My Hockey, by the way, check it out, folks. It's awesome. And even that often has more context and emotional relevance than a year of conversations that we would have. Back. It would be fun, like, say, when we went to Brainerd. But if I was feeling lonely, or I remember going through, man, I post-concussion syndrome for almost a year, and I mean, like, hating everything about it and the anxiety and the depression and talking to nobody just like waiting till I could be like feel okay so I could like talk about uh the NHL playoffs that week or you know there there certainly wasn't as much as much awareness in the hockey world I don't know if there was any and like you said Mark Rader coming in and, and telling you to be your bitch right we all hear those kind of stories back then and but you know like like I do some acting now. If I told the boys that I acted or I wrote poetry back then, I would have gotten a punch in the fucking side of the head, right? Like it was a very tough world. Don't you think, Pods? I mean, 
you're connecting with people now all the time. They're different conversations than we used to have. I don't know if that's age for us maturing or if I don't, I don't know if that's a different era. What do you think? I think it's the culture because that's the interesting thing that I find. I mean, you're one of them. I mean, Jason Krog comes to mind because he's a recency bias. Um, yeah, like a, nice a lot pod, of the though. guests, right, on, on the show that I've now had a chance to talk to, well, Mark Dale sitting right in front of me, um, kind of echo the same thing, that now we wish that we were more available to each other um, in ways that could have been supportive. And again, not that it's, uh, you know, not that it's like an AA meeting or something, right? But like that we were all going through the same stuff, yet we felt very, very isolated in that process. Uh, That's and well I think said. that that was just, we were a paltry, uh, product of the culture. I mean, and that's the thing, like the, the tough aspect that we, I think you've used that word probably 20 times. There is, there is this idea of what that was, right? And, and being physically tough meant something emotionally and mentally that we just had to buy into. And, and you did, you know, and, uh, and whatever predetermination that was or what was assumed we were supposed to be, like, I think you just, you know, you, you absorbed that. And everyone absorbed it. And then we, we became a product of what it was and what we were expected to be. Or things like, you know, hazing's one thing. I, I didn't really, I, I swear, I don't have m many stories. I mean, we went through the hazing and we kind of did it in a fun way. I know there was some crazy stories, but, but that mentality. Like, I remember it, you were just supposed to figure everything out. Like, I don't know that I'm supposed to pick up the pucks at the end of practice. You know, going into June. I, I don't know. I, I thought the trainer, somebody did it. I, I'm not being ignorant. I just didn't think about it. I know I'm a rookie. I know I got up to eat. I didn't know I had to eat dead last because like, I'm 16, but that rookie's 18 and he's older than me. I, you know what I mean? Like, there's all this shit that you're supposed to. And if you don't, like, you will really get a world of trouble if you do it, go about it the wrong way. And you have no idea what you're doing. You're just walking into this situation you know with everybody has a completely different background and now you're all supposed to be tri-city americans that go about junior hockey throughout the hierarchy the exact way that you should and it's it's but i mean it's, think i mean and again i mean I, I don't really i don't know michelle terrian and this isn't about him but that like but that story like that story like encapsulates that entire scenario like how that was even okay for him to forbid players from a team to go visit a guy in a hospital yeah. you know what i mean like can you th like think about that like that's absurd behavior absurd and then they have but a meeting yet, and get it was upset. like yet it was so real. unaware so yeah. unaware pods to have the meeting and in hindsight tell it like shit on me and other people that even thought about doing the same thing this was a half hour speech he went on anybody in the room i also i'm i don't want to say i'm tiptoeing around it uh, and again, like I do, it was a different time, but you know, there's another thing you say, talk about it, diesel. I find it sometimes hard to talk at least openly and be honest about it. I'm saying nothing in here that, that that's going to burn a bridge anymore. Um, but I feel almost bad telling the story as someone who treated me and everybody else like a fucking chump, you know, but it's almost therapeutic, especially to talk to you again, diesel about it, because I consider that I, I'm not going to be ignorant now and take away from your situation. I feel like we went through that together. N not you with the whole fucking bad news that happened to you, but uh, not a whole lot of people were there. Right. And that was after five or six years of knowing who you were and meeting you and having beers the odd time. Um, 
so it is slightly therapeutic for me. Now, Diesel, I got to ask you, you went back to play senior hockey in the mid 2000s. I just looked at elite prospects. Terry, can I hijack for one question? Yeah, sure. Diesel, I never asked you much about Lonnie. Like, like that's a, and we kind of glazed over a little bit. Like he, you know, your roommates, right? Like he, yep. he, he obviously knows what's happened. He hears this guy say this thing, <laughs> goes completely out of character and like does something that potentially could jeopardize his career. Like you mentioned, you I mean, to me, you mentioned how good that made you feel to have Terry show up with, with Garen in the hospital and just to kind of, you know, make a stand and be human and, and, and say something like what, did that, that must've made you feel good somehow, eh? That Lonnie would, would, would do something like that kind of, I mean, for you. Well, I didn't know where he went and then he came back with a swollen hand. So I guess he was hiding behind a pillar and it happened. I, I, I don't want to get too much detail, but it, uh, yeah, it, you know what? I ended up being in Toronto for all my surgeries and I was, in the hotel room with him when he was actually playing in those playoffs when he did well, it's more of kind of, you remember the, the character he had. Um, he was a very humble hockey player and, you know, he just went about his business and he, you know, there's lots of us that got, you know, didn't get the opportunity that probably should. He should have obviously earned it with the playoffs that he had. Like we would go to, um, Niagara Falls the night before and gamble and come back like that's just the type of guy he was and um, yeah it, the, the takeaway from everything is just to get everybody to communicate more and you know you can be the toughest guy in the league or you could be the smallest guy or you know anything of that nature everybody needs uh, somebody to, to lean on and you know Frank and I back in the day Bantam, you know that's what we did we were there for each other and maybe that's why we clicked as, as much as we did, but yeah, you, you, you miss the guys that you always remember and you know, it's nice to keep in touch. I'll try to get you in touch with the honest, you guys just, uh, I'll, I'll figure like, away with that. So, yeah, but I guess for, for me, like listening, cause we're kind of, we're, or at least I was saying like the culture was like, we weren't allowed to be human yet within that team dynamic, like here's a guy, your teammate, your roommate doing something like that's superhuman, you know, like he's doing something out of character for you in honor of you, which I think is like super cool. And I think that's like a redeeming aspect of like what it was like. Cause there's still like a massive brotherhood that was involved in that, even though we weren't talking about stuff, maybe how we would have wanted to, but um, I think that action like just showed how much he gave a shit, you know? Yeah. I think he, it almost came down to that. I think he felt, the pain that I was having. And then he just kind of said, screw it. And this is way out of his element, what, uh, what occurred. So it's, uh, not, you know, not like some guy that fights every game, like Thornton going around and doing that, it, you know, yeah. he was uh, a pretty low key guy and, uh, you know, not like I'm going to thank him for doing it, but, uh, it was nice that I knew that he, you know, had my back, I guess. It also solidifies the point that Tyrion was being a dick because, I mean, it, had it been Thornton, people would have said, well, you know, it was a playoff rivalry and tough guy went after the coach. But it was a guy that stepped outside of himself because the situation transcended hockey. And for that, I'll always respect the guy. I respect him anyway. I've never had any run-in with Lonnie. I played against him many years. 
and he was always a great player. And uh, find that ironic, always did. He gets called up that year, nine points in nine playoff games. Michelle Therrien charged him at first and dropped the charges. Uh, who knows why? Maybe just to make a maybe to let everybody know that he was being charged, just to you know somewhat slur his name publicly. I, I really don't know, or maybe Tyrion really felt that he was in the right. I mean, who knows? But I know that your buddy stuck up for you, and that's a great thing. And that we certainly didn't appreciate the approach that our coach took at the time. Um, so Lonnie's from Winnipeg. Did, did you? Did I ask you already? Did you know him at all when you were over there? Or was he already off playing in Portland? Because I know in, in junior, Lonnie played in Portland and Seattle, Pods, or am I wrong? In other words, no, did you know him in Winnipeg when you went there for that one year? No. Okay, so you were – it was a – He was gone already. Okay. Um, when you – yeah, I was going to ask you about senior hockey. So you went back. So you, you clearly have a passion for the game. Um, did, are you still involved in any way? Uh, no, I was a hockey agent for 11 years and then really had enough of that. That was a pretty corrupt uh, business, but uh, I bet. no, I made a comeback with the Oilers farm team there for a few games. I went to Davos and played with Finland and then Switzerland. And then my mom basically told me retire enough's enough. So it was uh, how pretty was dangerous to play. So Dangerous in that. And how's the, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, it's, how's the injury like can you see anything uh not i might as well no it, it's a little wee bit but doesn't hey, I, help much. i'm talking about out of the one eye i know you can see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. so that would have made it extremely then needless to say not that it's important but you, you weren't you you must have really noticed that you were not the same hockey player i mean I got high ankle sprain. I'm not the same. I can't imagine if you took half my vision away. Like, so were you out there? What, what was it? A, I'm wary about being hit. Um, did you can keep playing rec hockey or I played with a guy, Kevin Smith. And I'm like, I, I don't know how he did it. I'm, I was like, don't you see, like you, you leave your head down. It's, it's going to be hard. Was that the obstacle? Uh, was it just uncomfortable overall? Uh, well, I switched to right wing just, it was a lot easier than playing center. And I don't know. I, I just wanted to say that I kind of played all over the place. That's why I made a comeback. But yeah, it, it's, I, I don't play anymore. I wear, you know, glasses now. These are un, no prescription in them. I just wear them to make sure that my other eye doesn't get uh, banged up or I'll be walking with a white cane with, uh, on the street with a dog. So, but Good yeah, no, it's uh, it's more just, uh, I guess I probably should, but I, even when I played senior hockey in Lloyd Minister, guys knew that you played and they'd come after you. And yeah, I was basically out there just to get exercise. And, but yeah, I, it's too competitive the way that uh, a lot of these guys want to play rec hockey. So. Yeah. I hear you, buddy. Um, so yeah, like, is there a chance? I mean, I'd love to see. I know uh, I say this to Pods too. I mean, you got to make it over here. But um, is there a chance we'll ever see you come back and visit St. John's? I think it'll be all right. Yeah, there's a possible chance to bring the family out at some point. It's not cheap to come out there, but uh, I know the Pattons really well. Um, and then, nice. Who was Pods? Who was the camera person? 
the camera person, the old uh, photography. Oh, Rostovsky's. Rostovsky's. And Stefan Hancock, who owned Turkey Joe's at the time, yeah. uh, was always there. He owns Green Sleeves now. Well, the, the same. I mean, it's been in the family. So that's oh. the same thing. And Steph married uh, Anna Patton. Uh, and the Rostovsky's, yeah, I get a message once. With, they're still hockey fans, older now with families and everything, but um, or their families have grown. But a lot of the same people. It's not the same. Mile One Center isn't the same as Memorial Stadium. Uh, it's we've got the generic it's a nice, nice rink right down right next to George Street. So like right across the street from George Street. But uh, the Memorial Stadium is no more. But it actually stands as a Dominion. People didn't want to get rid of it, guys. Have you heard this? So they petitioned. No one wanted to get rid of the Memorial Stadium because they loved it so much. So they left it as it is. They left the score clock and everything coming down. But it's a Dominion. You go in and go through the aisles, but you can, it's still, the rafters are still there, the score clock, home, away, all that. <laughs> no one, and it, from the outside, it says Memorial Stadium. Oh, that's cool. It looks the same. Um, and Pods, what do you got uh, coming up? Uh, well, both of you, but what do you got coming up for the summer? Anything? I know your, your podcast has taken off, and it seems to me, I follow your Instagram, it's always uh, extremely unique and entertaining uh i like the coaching but, but i'm not up to date on that are you, are you a local coach is that clinics is that your kids with their buddies you always seem to be on the go whether it's on a rink like on the side of a hill or you're in the <laughs> valley snowshoeing or there's always something <laughs> yeah well, i got three kids in the game right so i'm i'm helping them out uh, i got i had my own spring team this year uh that i got it was like essentially a north zone 09 team so the the you know, the, the, the best players, let's call it in, in the bank, uh, Vernon North. So always doing a lot of stuff on the ice that just ended. Uh, I got the up my hockey, uh, podcast, which, you know, of, um, guests weekly where we get to chat about, you know, some of this stuff, stuff that matters, stories that matter that are hopefully going to help young athletes figure out their path a little cleaner and a little easier than maybe, uh, we, the three of us did. And, um, this week, I'm talking to Jason Blake, actually, uh, on Friday. So he's going to be my guest for this week. It'll be fun to talk to Jason, a cancer survivor and a 40-goal scorer in ex-Toronto Maple Leaf. So uh, able to have some awesome conversations there. And, yeah, working with teams on mindset stuff and players, too. Um, and that's an ever-going process, you know, private clients, teams, um, individuals helping athletes uh, get to where they want to go. Because I think we all know, I mean, a lot of stuff we talked about today is, like, the mental approach and the perspective required to do what we want to do on the ice. It's way beyond skating and shooting most of the time when you get to the higher levels. So um, trying to, trying to spend, share some of the experience, right. That, uh, that we've all gleaned. Always well-spoken um, diesel. What do you got coming up? I got to, I, I, I'm going to make a point. I'm, I'm out in Alberta here and there too. Right. Um, my, I still say in-laws, my, my wife and I, I guess she's my ex now, but we raise our kid to go here in Newfoundland together. She's awesome. And she's from Red Deer. So I go back with Penny Lane in the non-pandemic world. Now I'd be back every year or two. So I'd love to visit. What are you up to out there in Calgary? Uh, just, I got to get off here right away. I got a call here coming, but uh, just oil and gas sales, kids sports. They're coming back on here again, which is nice. So um that'll get them out of the house and then uh yeah just the usual day-to-day -day, trying to do rentals and the whole and last who do you have for the cup who do both of you I, guys who do you got first diesel i'll let you go because you gotta go i picked the avalanche a long time ago 
Yeah, not a bad pick. And you'll, there'll be a Newfoundlander get a cup ring if that's the case. Alex Newhook. I was hoping he might get up to practice a few games. He scored a sni- he sniped the other day. First round pick a few years ago. Let, let's hope it goes slightly different for him than it did for me. Pods, who do you got in the playoffs? Yeah, it's going to sound boring. That's who I picked, too. I thought it'd be a Tampa-Colorado final, and uh, I had Colorado. Love Jared Bednar, a great fan. Nolan Pratt is also uh, behind the bench there. Ah, oh, Nolan um, Pratt. Beauty. I yeah. got Leafs versus the Bruins in the final, but uh, I got a good buddy, actually, from Mount Pearl that's the equipment manager for the Leafs, so I'm. It's they got my sentimental vote this year, and I'd go. love to see a Canadian team do something, although Winnipeg are going to be tough, and Montreal still aren't beaten yet, and price is good. Listen, I'm going to leave you with a lyric. I always do. Thanks for joining, boys. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll exchange pleasantries offline and uh, figure out, because we're going to make this happen when it opens up, and at the very least, I'm going to be out, in, out west. Love to visit you, Diesel, and Pod's we're going to figure out uh, something for the future. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to leave you with lyrics for Bill Withers. Lean on me. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. And I think that's relevant here. You're right, Diesel. Like you said, we don't lean on each other enough. We didn't back then. And as far as mental health and camaraderie and hockey player or no hockey player, uh, I'm beating a dead horse. I say it every week. People that come on, talk, man, talk. Open up the phone waves. Uh, call a buddy, whatever it might be. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be about anxiety or depression, but have a real talk. It's really therapeutic. We're humans and we need to be social. Uh, anything else you guys need to say before we take off? Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for having uh, you again, Pods and Diesel. It's been great talking for the first time in a couple of decades around there. And I'll see both of you guys soon. Thanks again for coming on Tales with TR. I love you both, and I mean that. Talk soon. Okay. So there you have it. Um, listen, uh, I know I did a lot of talking there, but... Um, I guess that wasn't so much an interview as a three-way conversation. I feel bad when I when I talk so much sometimes, but Diesel, um, I he ne- he'd never heard it from my side. So, Pods, we've been Jason there. He 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 has his own podcast, as I mentioned, and um, he just shot me a note yesterday with with Diesel on there and said, "Hey, we're recording," and I listened to it. I said, "Geez, no, like, there's a few things that I'd love to." have both you guys on because uh from my end there's there's a whole lot of gray area there that needs to be filled in so diesel wasn't um wasn't aware i I think of the whole situation that at the time you know it would have seemed like you know the war it's the playoffs and is we all hate you and you all hate us but it, it wasn't the case um and what a fucking talent you know when I, when I hung up from the boys, uh, so thanks a lot, Diesel, Mark Dale, and look at his stats online. Just go look. Now, you tell me that he wasn't going to play in the NHL? If I can guarantee you he was going to. I don't know how he didn't play a game to that point. And something else. So Pods just says to me when we hung up, he goes, you know what's, what's really fucked? I said, what? He said, just, we kind of alluded to it, but Lonnie, so Lonnie Bahanas, again, the guy who punched Tarion outside the bar and got charged. Um, he gets called up to Toronto for the playoffs and he gets nine points in nine games, elevating them to the second round, which isn't 
consistent thing in the Leafs history. And he never plays another game in the NHL. I've always thought, I'm, I'm not implying Michelle Therrien here. I'm just saying, how did that happen? Like, imagine right now, we're watching the playoffs. Someone, I'd say Cole Caulfield, but, but Cole's a first rounder and you kind of everybody kind of knew that was happening. But Lonnie was a big scorer in the minors, you know, huge, one of the biggest in the league. He was definitely, I mean, Padola and DL were there, but it was Bahanas. Those three, maybe a few more in, in a span of three or four years. But no, Lonnie had like upwards of 100 points in the A, if I remember correctly. Actually, one sec, I'm going to look. Yeah, St. John's Maple Leafs, 98-99, Lonnie Bahanas. 70 games played, 34 goals, 48 assists, 82 points, 40 penalty minutes. So it's not like you said, it's not like he was out there roughing people up. Um, yeah. Yeah, he gets... Milani that year, okay, I was looking at the stats just then and did a double take. Seven games, three goals, but that was in the regular season. Still, like, he gets called up, he's scoring. Playoffs. 98-99, Toronto Maple Leafs. Nine games played, nine points. Lonnie never plays another game in the NHL, ever. Now, goes over Davos, Davos, so he played in, in Europe. Uh, came back 0405. Chicago Wolves point of game as you'd expect. So I'm just wondering again. I'm not saying that Tarion isn't you know Tarion's not powerful enough to ban him from the NHL. I'm just wondering how he answered questions the next year coming back. Like imagine if someone now gets called up nine points nine games playoffs. Let's say it happens in Montreal and they get onto the second round. Well, this kid's going to be considered a savior, is he not? So what happens the next year? You know, what would happen? You'd, you, Whenever you lose out and you go back to camp, and again, if it was Montreal this year, you'd say to Michelle Bergeron, why isn't so-and-so here? Right? I, I'm just surprised none of that happened. Imagine your last nine games in the NHL were all playoff games, and you had nine points and led the team in the playoffs and scoring. Again, a team with Matt Sundin on it. And you never, ever sniff the NHL again. I mean, it makes no sense. And the other weird part of that story is, yeah, I didn't really dwell on it. I kind of lost my train of thought, but think about it. Diesel lost his eye, which, again, was just visceral to, to see and to, you know no wonder we went to the hospital I, I i didn't even want to see a puck for a month after i saw it i'm serious um but he had accidentally knocked out someone's eye like four months before with his skate he got hit and he was kind of going in the air and jeff libby i believe was his name came down and it was a complete accident it was from behind like or no libby went into DL's skate from behind as DL was, like, lifted in the air. But what are the chances to be involved in two eye incidents in one year? 
career-ending Hyacinths. I mean, I've only heard that happening two other times. Brian Burrard. In my, I mean, I know it's happened, and I, I know, but, but Brian, who I know, Brian Burrard, Kevin Smith, uh, and, and Diesel. But in all my years, it's the only time. And I was on the ice for the Diesel thing, but, you know, I, I just know of Smitty and, and happening to Burrard, but I wasn't on the same, I don't think I was in the same league when, when it happened to them. Um. So it's a very unique thing. Think of all the games and all the and all the pro games and practices and the minors and in pro and all those levels, and you barely ever hear of it. And Diesel twice in one year was involved in an eye, a career-ending eye incident. Anyway, it's great to talk to him after all this time, and I didn't know how to go about asking him the questions um, because if it's me, you know, it's – Really, probably a, a bad memory. I don't know if I want to revisit. But I knew that by agreeing to come on, I told him we were going to talk about it a little bit, that, you know, it wasn't too off limits. But uh, for those who don't remember or are too young, Mark Dale, whatever highlights, hopefully they have some. It was so long ago. It's probably a lot of grainy stuff, but he was a superstar with uh, absolutely no exaggeration. And I'm going to wind it up here. It's a long one this week, but uh, well worth it. Thanks to Mark Diesel DL and thanks to Jason Pods, Pods, whatever you want to say, Padolin. <clears throat> Poodle, I think. Diesel called him Poodle. Um, yeah, thanks. It was a great chat again, boys. Check out Jason's podcast, Up My Hockey. It really is worth it. Uh, it's a lot of what Diesel was talking about. You know how, how players don't talk about real-life issues a lot? Well, that's kind of what it is. It's preparation, but it's a lot of mental toughness kind of stuff and, and or, or even just mental um, awareness, you know, of, of the topics that he's talking about, which often transcend hockey or sports. So check that out. Uh, Jeremy Bishop, a step above. Uh, check it out on Facebook. Ball hockey's got to be selling a bunch of jerseys and everything now and sticks and equipment, and he's got a league started. Good luck to Jeremy Bish Bishop. Wedgwood Cafe, you know, that's always going to be a great time. Catering, or you can drop in in St. John's. TJ's Pub uh, downtown, obviously, we got some great deals. The patio just opened, and is it ever, ever fun just awesome. We do have, in my mind, the best patio downtown, and there certainly are a lot of them this this year. Um, we're about to lock off Duckworth Street and Water Street again for the pedestrian walk, and uh, there's a lot of great spots to go. So get out and enjoy as we open up. I had my uh, vaccine today, my first one, and I feel great that, uh, honestly, tears came to my eyes standing in the lineup, just looking at how far we can come as humans in a short time. Where something that was just taken over the earth and did, and did to a degree, uh, whether you believe in it or not, I had a couple of friends that went down. So um, COVID's real, uh, and you know it's what human achievement. Uh, like I'm sure it was, it's it's probably more eye opening to see man walk on the moon in 1969. Um, Neil Armstrong, you know, seeing that all play out is amazing and the first thing that comes to my mind is like human achievement well same deal in, in the lineup today just looking at you know this is it it's all over the world now where there's all kinds of people in and out and we're all getting vaccine then soon it'll be a thing of the past or it should be for the most part it'll be a thing of the past um penny posh women's where reimagined 
If you're interested in anything at all, just shoot me a note at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. And uh, some some great jackets. She's got some awesome hoodies, though, and we'll give you a deal. It's all kinds of deals. I'll throw in a book, throw in a picture. Uh, Danielle works real hard and uh, has some great products. And uh, it's nothing but positive feedback. I'm telling you, the hoodies are out of this world. They're $129.99, and right now I can get them and a book for $99. Uh, so check check it out. Uh, what else? Uh, Merchant Tavern. Yes, Merchant. Check it out. Uh, Danielle also uh, works there. She's She helps manage the place. But a lot of people ask me about Jeremy Charles. He's been on here. And, and you know, my, my buddy, the chef growing up that came to Montreal, and of course, talked about him in our episode a little while ago. Well, that's his spot, right? Merchant Tavern and Raymond's here. So those are those are awesome. I don't even think Merchant Tavern needs much of a plug because it's it's packed all the time. But anyway, I like to do it for my buddies. So that's the way it goes. If you're interested in any, in any advertising, shoot me a note, Terry Ryan 2020 at Gmail or contact the good people at the Hockey Podcast Network. That's it. Penny Lane just walked in. We're about to finish. What are we going to finish? Penny Lane Goonies. Tonight we're going to watch the Goonies, I think. We're halfway through. One-Eyed Willie, here I come. Okay, Godzilla, she's saying. In any case, this time's over, and our time is about to begin, Penny Lane. Thanks to everybody for listening. See you next week. Another great guest. This has been Episode 54, Tales with TR. Catch you on the rebound.